if you don't agree, don't move forward. There's an, honestly not one like final decision maker. We just wait until we agree on something. Like we continue to work the idea or the problem until we both like it and then we move forward. How do you create an unshakable business? I crossed $100 million in net worth by the age of 28. Now I'm growing acquisition.com into a billion dollar portfolio. In this podcast, I share the lessons I've learned in scaling big businesses and helping our portfolio companies do the same. Buckle up and let's build. So thank you so much for coming. Uh, give us a little bit of your backstory yeah. and what led up to everything that has conspired so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if we rewind back, um, just to give context, I think sometimes it's, you start a little bit sooner. So I'll go back to when I was in high school. So. High school, um, started getting into fitness. I was always overweight as a kid. And so I kind of pursued figuring out, you know, food, working out, all that stuff. And that caught my interest when I was like 13. And so I actually didn't stick with really any sports. I started going to the gym and like lifting by myself. And so that was really the only form of like physical fitness that I did. Um, and then when I was around, I wanna say like I learned enough that then when I was at the age of like 18, 19, I ended up losing like 85 pounds. And so first I use that as context because I think going through like a fitness transformation, losing a ton of weight like that and like changing your identity is really similar to becoming, you know, someone who's successful in business, right? It's like becoming successful in one area of your life kind of translates over to the other. And so then I went to college for exercise science thinking that I would attain some kind of skill set that would allow me to like one day have a business, which was very wrong. Mm. Um, and so I went to school and I think like two years in, I realized like this is not gonna do anything for me. And so when I went to college and I realized that it was basically useless and there was nothing for me to learn, um, I started you know investing myself. So I started listening to like Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, um, and I started really paying attention like, what do I wanna do when I get out of here? Because I kind of was just finishing it for the sake of finishing it. Like my dad was a professor. Um, and so I got like, I literally paid like 25% of tuition because he worked there, so it was like, you know, I just, honestly, I didn't take it seriously. I wasn't like a bad student, but I also mm. wasn't like super good. I just like thought it was useless. And I was like, I can learn more on my own and from other people that I'm studying right now. And so I did a lot more of that. And then I knew that I wanted to compete in fitness and move out to California. And so I graduated college and I was like, okay, I understand everything about the human body, very useless. Like I got that by now. It's like, I'd read enough books that I was like, this isn't really gonna help me a ton because that can only take me so far. I need to learn how to like build a business and market and sell. So I lived in Michigan at that point in time. And I was like, pretty much everyone there was like from at least the town that I was in. It's like, okay, you're either gonna like, you know, maybe take over the small business of your parent, you know, work at Stryker or like work at one of the big automobile places in Detroit. Like it wasn't a lot of opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, at least nothing that I wanted to do or apply myself. I didn't see myself in big corporate. So I packed up my Prius at the time. <laughs> nice. And, and uh, I, it was two days after I graduated college, I just drove out to California. Uh, and got some disgusting, you know, apartment that was like as cheap as I could find that I pulled up and I was like, oh, this is in the ghetto, great. This is good for like a single, you know, like 21 year old girl. Mm -hmm. um, and I moved there and then I was like, okay, I need to get a job within walking distance because I don't wanna pay for gas too much. Cause like I have like $8,000 at this point, which when rent is like 1500 a month, you're like, okay, this isn't gonna last too long mm -hmm. with like food and all the other things. Mm -hmm. Um, so I went and I applied at every gym nearby and I was like, I'll just start working at a gym at first because like, I know I could get a job at a gym. Um, and then I'll learn sales, I'll learn sales for the gym. And then eventually I'll learn more about business and have my own business. I didn't know what kind of business, but I just knew I wanted some kind of business. So I ended up getting a job at all the places I applied. And so I tried like a couple of them out for a couple of weeks. Um, and I ended up staying with 24 hour fitness. Why are you looking at me like that? I'm, I'm just curious, why 24-hour yeah. fitness out of all of the, the other locations? Well, I won't say the name of the, some of them, but like one of them I went to and, you know, within like the first few days, I was like, oh, you know, they were basically like, hey, you need to pull down your shirt a little bit, hike up those shorts and you're gonna get those Indian men over there. And I was like, that's not how I, wow. I flow, man. Okay. So like, I get that that's like extremely mm. um, advantageous in the fitness industry. Like a lot of women are totally fine with doing that. And like, I don't judge them for doing that. That's just like, not me. I just never want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, that's not how I want to, like, I want to prove that I'm good at business, not that I can use my body to get business. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually ended up sticking with 24 because I really liked the manager there. He was really encouraging. And he was like, dude, I can train you so much. And like, I can, you know, teach you my skill set. And he was like, he had basically taken that gym and made it like the top 24 hour fitness for personal training. So I was like, okay, I'm going to learn how to sell here. And so I ended up going there and, um, within the first, you know, basically there's like 20 other people that they hired around the same time. And I remember they told me, they're like, you need to go out and get referrals. You need to get like 
I don't remember, it was like 15 or 20 referrals. I didn't even know if that was a lot or not at that point in time. But basically in order to do that, um, you have to go up to everyone in the gym and just ask for someone's like name and phone number. And I had no idea at the time that it was even hard to do that or like a thing. And so I think it's really interesting because a lot of people say like, oh, I'm bad at sales. And I'm like, but if you don't know you're selling, which I didn't know I was like selling or getting yeah. leads at that point in time, it wasn't even that hard. And so I ended up being the person that collected the most. And so whatever, I got the job. Yeah. Referrals to what? Uh, referrals for like from members of the gym for people that would be interested in joining the gym. What what was your technique in doing that? Was it just walking up like, hey man, how's it going? Uh, you, you got a friend? Do you, you have friends? This, <laughs> you have any friends? Well, how do you do it? Like what made you stand out when you were doing that? I honestly just didn't yeah. think it was weird. Okay. Like, I just moved there. I was like, I have nothing to lose. These people don't know me. I have no reputation here. Like. What am I going to do? Fail? I mean, and that's, there were two girls that were like crying outside the building. I was like, mm. I went up to them, like, why are you crying? They're like, I don't want to go talk to strangers. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Like, I, I just don't want to be that person. So I was yeah. like, I'm just going to go up and I'm just going to be like, hey, my name's Layla. I'm new here. I'm curious if you have any friends that are interested in joining the gym. That's it. Like, just nice and not yeah. weird. You know, I think a lot of people get like really weird because they're mm. nervous and then mm -hmm. it makes it worse. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, I ended up working there for, uh, I don't know, maybe like 18 months. Um, and then I realized, you know, it was basically like, as soon as you sell enough people that you're full, which became my roster, like my roster was full, um, then they just have you, you know, selling for other people. And I was like, this is a waste of my time. Like, it's basically like come in as early as possible before you're training, you know, eight sessions a day, sell for other people, build up their rosters. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Did you get paid to beef up other people's rosters? I mean, yeah, you do get paid for it, but you don't okay. get paid ongoing. So it's not very appealing to me. Sure. And I also didn't think a lot of the trainers were that good. So, okay. You know? Yeah. Um, it didn't feel ethical. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, okay, one thing that I learned from, uh, the book, rich dad, poor dad, I, I read that like in the back room of the training. I remember it said like work to learn, not to make money when you're young. And so I was like, okay, I have learned enough here. I get it. I get how this works. I don't want to move up the corporate ladder. They like tried to get me to do all that. And I was like, that sounds horrible. And so I was like, okay, I heard about this guy who had this really great gym and people were like, he's like a fantastic leader and he really knows how to run a business. And like, he has a ton of clients. And I was like, oh, I wanna go learn from that guy. And so uh, I ended up reaching out to him, uh, I wanna say like 18 months into working at 24. And then, you know, did an interview, did a couple and it was obvious we got along really well. And so I went and worked at his gym. And at the same time, I started building up a, like a roster of online clients because my, uh, former coach for, cause I competed in bikini competitions. She was like, you should do this too. I'll feed you a few clients and then you bring your own. And so I was like, okay. So then I started kind of doing both, like learning from her in terms of like online and how that works and how you like get clients online. Mm -hmm. um, and then learning from him in terms of like, how do you run a business? Which that's what I really got to see when I moved there. And what it allowed me to see was that really interestingly enough is that the same effort it takes to build a small business, it's the same effort to take a big business. And so looking at like 24 hour and looking at the small business, I was like, it's almost harder to have a small business even because there's less opportunity for people. So like less people want to work there because it's a smaller business. So they, they have less opportunity or less runway to like build something for themselves in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you see a lot of turn in small businesses, which makes sense because they're small. So like the vision has to be small as well. So if people have a big vision for themselves, they don't want to work at a small business, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, so anyways, I worked there. Um, and then about not long into it, like, I want to say seven months, um, I was on Bumble. And I basically, at this point, I was like, man, I've been single for a little while. I'd been dating when I was in Michigan. When I went to California, I was like, I just want to build up my career. Like, I want to be successful. And that was all I really cared about. So I didn't really care about dating. And I didn't really like the guys in the area either because they just wanted some girl that would like shut up and sit and look pretty. And that's not really me. Mm -hmm. So I got on Bumble and I remember my sales manager was like, listen, he's like, this is just like sales. He's like, it's a numbers game. And I was like, that's completely true. <laughs> and so I committed to basically like every day when I had lunch, I was like, I'll sit and I'll just swipe for 30 minutes. Just like, that's it. It's just like swiping and deciding. And so I did that and I went on, gosh, I think I, I would did this for like, I don't even know how long until I finally met Alex. I think it was like maybe 13 or 14 months. How Terrible many dates date. was that in 13, 14 months? A lot. I mean, at least one a week. So that's a 50. lot. That's a lot. Wow. How many of this resulted in a second date? Not many. Really? Okay. Maybe like three. Okay. Yeah. Sure. There was like one guy, you know, I went on like maybe like eight or nine dates with sure. and like, you know, just that kind of stuff. But okay. Yeah. Not too many. What did you learn going on all of these dates? People are weird. No, I'm kidding. People. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think what it reinforced for me is just that it is a number team. Like a lot of people are like, I just, you know, you hear women all the time. They're like, I just can't find a man. I'm like, how hard have you tried? Like, did you swipe for 14 months? 
that's probably not i think also what i learned is like most people are not picky in terms of what they look for in a significant other because most guys were like well we're gonna go on another date and i was like no and they were like what i'm like oh you don't want what i want like this is not a this is clearly not a match mm -hmm. but they were like totally okay with it <laughs> and i was like that's so odd do you know what you're looking for like have you thought about what you want in this person and it's like i would ask them i'd be like have you thought about what you want in like a, a girlfriend and they're like i mean you you look good you talk and I'm <laughs> you look like, good and you talk oh, yeah, 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 I, I don't know done. and i was like huh, okay and so i think i was just looking for something a little more specific which like i always knew i was like i want someone that's equally as powerful like i don't want to be in every relationship before i met alex i was always like the dominant one in the relationship and i realized i was like i don't really want that i want someone who's almost more dominant than me or at least could be equally powerful and i'm like that is something cool and i think when that was probably also when like power couples started trending on instagram and stuff <laughs> sure. and twitter um and so that was what i was really looking for and so at this point you know basically what happened was i swiped uh on alex and he messaged me or no i messaged him because it was bumble and yeah. so the girl also messaged the guy first and then you know he, it was basically like he's like this is stupid being on this platform let's talk on the phone i was like amazing i don't want to talk on this platform either it's such a waste of time and so he called me and we talked for like 20 minutes and he was like, I consider this to be like our first date. And I was like, amazing, this is so efficient. So basically we got like all the questions out of the way. This is very like, efficient. <laughs> so efficient. Did he, did he have a checklist? What did he say to you? I feel like he must have had like a- What did like a... consist of? Like what did you guys talk about? Yeah. Um, I think it was mostly like- What are your qualifications? So <laughs> where did you, <laughs> how many hours a day do you work? Yeah, I think What's your like... sales to, you know, close ratio? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, do you want kids? Do you want to get married? What do you see for your life? Like all the basic questions that, that would be reasons that people would break up later that they mm -hmm. don't talk about in the beginning. We just talked about that on the first phone call. And so, you know, some of it we weren't completely aligned on at that point in time, but we found, like, found each other enough interesting that I think we were like, yeah, let's go on a date. So then it was just like, let's go meet for Froyo yeah. tomorrow. You kind of went with the flow and Alex kind of initiated that phone call thing. I would imagine being a guy on a dating app, that's not a very effective way to, to find a significant other is just immediately ask for a phone call and ask questions like aspirations in life. I don't know. I mean, I think it might be. I think so. I don't also, know. I mean, you're you're, I mean, you're yeah. weeding out all of the people, yeah. I guess, that like you wouldn't want to yeah. be with. Also, like, I mean, think about like, I don't know. I think also like how attractive someone is is going to have something to do with it too. Because like a lot of women will put up with shit and a lot of guys will put up with shit if somebody's good looking. That's a good point. Yeah. Fair. A dating app would do really well if they had a questionnaire that you would fill out first that would filter out stuff like that. Like, do you want to get married? Oh, do you want to have kids? Yeah. Do they like, have those, do they do? Yeah, like well, Match.com and well, like Fish and all, so, all stuff. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah. like, a, like, a, like a Tinder. No, no where like you'd have to uses eHarmony or Match.com. No, I don't think so. But like, I actually tried signing up and I was like, Ooh. But yeah. like for a Tinder, if you just 10 questions, right? Like mm -hmm. what are your political views? Would you date yeah. someone with differing viewpoint? Like stuff like that, right? Would, yeah, yeah wouldn't that do well? would be useful. Yeah. You know what I think would be really, really cool? Um, I'm not single, I'm married now, but um, I'm never the type of person that would go to bars or clubs and everybody's meeting people there. Yeah. And I also don't like like online places, but I think it'd be cool if you went to a place and like, uh, I don't, it could be like fun too. So uh, it's like a restaurant, but maybe you're seated with other people and it, you could do like single matching or you could do like group matching and meet new friends or something. I don't know. Something like that I think would be cool for you the mean a friend match. Uh, kind of. Yeah. But in person. Yeah. That makes sense. I would probably yeah. attend that. Huh. It, it's, it could also be used for like meeting potential dates too. Cause you could do like a, just like a two seater table, you know, you could be single and then have another single person, or you can go with a group of friends and meet, you know, more friends and get to know about them over dinner. Cause I don't go to clubs and stuff. So that sounds lovely actually. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like doing the online stuff. It is efficient. Yeah. You I get suppose. to scope people out ahead of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So tell us more about this call. So after the call, he's like, we already did the first date, the second date. Yeah, so then we yeah. went for Froyo the next day, which I tried to get out of, and he was like, no. Why did um, you try to get out of it? I was, I said I was sick or something. I think I was hungover. <laughs> really? Okay, so yeah. nothing to do with Alex. So you were hungover, like, you said you were sick. I literally I never drank, yeah. and it was like a friend's birthday, and it was the first time in like 18 months I drank, and so I was like, I'm sick. He's like, you sound fine, let's go. I was like, okay. <laughs> I just liked how assertive he was. I was like, I'm he so sick. He said, you sound fine, let's go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like him that, though. I mean, yeah. sounds just like it, but still, yeah. just like it baffles me every time. But I <laughs> could you get that, away with that, Jack? Like, no, you sound fine. Let's go. <laughs> I like that. Jack cannot get away with. I that. think I that think confidence. Do that. Well, you I mean, you have to have the confidence to do that. Think yeah. about this, right? Like, I'm a woman who like I've been looking for a man who can actually like be more assertive with me. Everyone I've dated has been passive. I've always over dominated those people. So like to have somebody who's finally like, no, I, we're gonna go do this. And I'm like, I like that. That's nice. 
Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he ended up not forcing you, but like really compelling. <laughs> you. Forcing me. Yeah. So selling yeah, you into sure. this, this yeah. Froyo. Pitched right? you. Yeah. Pitched right. you. Yeah. 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 So then we went to Froyo the next day and um, we didn't talk about like relationships at all. We actually just talked about business all the time. So we like walked for four hours. We had the Froyo. Mm. I don't even think he liked me in the very beginning, actually. Actually, I know he didn't because he walked up and I have a giant back tattoo and he saw my back tattoo. And when he said hi, he was like, hey, I was like, no smile. I was like, this is so odd. Right. And I was like, maybe he's having a bad day. I don't know. And then we went inside and he ate. And then afterwards I find out too that, you know, when his blood sugar is low, he's very cranky. So I think after he ate it, it helped. But then he told me, he's like, why do you have a giant back tattoo? And I was like, I don't know. I was 18. Yeah. I just felt like getting it. Um, <laughs> what was his response to that? Shrugged like, it off. I think. All right. Okay. Whatever. He's like, oh, whatever. I'm here. Right. <laughs> Maggie's like, you could get that removed. <laughs> yeah. What are your plans tomorrow? You'll get that removed. Yeah. Yeah. I met his dad. The first time I met his dad, he yeah. came from behind. He sees me. He goes, we can get this removed. He doesn't even say hi. Not like, hi no. Matt. He just goes, we can get this removed. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Which by the way. So you I'm know like, where, he, where Alex gets it from. Yeah. 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 Did, uh, have you gotten it removed? No, dude. I went through like one session and the guy was yeah. like, he was like, well, we could do it now, uh, but you won't be numb. But like, if you come back, you know, we can numb, it's gonna be a few weeks out because I'm booked. I was like, how bad is it? And he was like, it's not that bad, you know? And I was like, <laughs> okay, it's, it's only my whole back. Like, yeah. let's just try. Yeah. So he did like a little thing and I was like, wow, that's terrible. And I was like, just do it. So I sat there and like, no, it was the, it was the worst pain I've ever had in my life. Wow. I always thought terrible. that they should have just one massive laser for something like that yeah. instead oh, of gosh. doing it one at a time. And it's just like, you know, <laughs> And it just does the entire session right there. Yeah. You know, imagine they you just, bite on a towel or something. Like, you just knock me yeah. out. Like, this is actually yeah, pretty aggressive. Really it feels point. like bacon yeah. grease is just popping on your back. Really? Okay, that's nice. what it feels like? Wow. Yeah. Uh, identical. I've always been so curious in what it's like. Yeah, I've heard it's very painful. Oh, I would yeah. not. I was like, I must. Yeah. Numbing cuted cream is like required. I get those videos recommended to me on TikTok now. Yeah. Because I started watching them. It's so addicting to be like, like they just yeah. go through the, like, yeah. I want to just watch it done. You know, no, you don't. I, it's interesting. Really, like, it's interesting. Like, yeah. up and it was just sweat. Like, and Alex wow. was like, he almost told the guy to stop because he was there, and I was just like convulsing because it, like, the way that it, it hits your nerves, and so you just like yeah. you like flop. flop Is this thing like straight table. up shoulders to like you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wow. angel wings. So. Wow. Okay. Super tacky. So, I, so Alex, when he was on here, I think he mentioned that pretty early on in the first couple dates. I think I think he might have said like the second date. Um, he said that. He had to like do something for for like a business he was running or something, and uh, that you just like kind of went along with it. So how did that come up? What did you think going on? You know, one of the first dates with this person and just being like told like, "Hey, I'm working on this." You Roped into this their business. Me? Yeah. How did that yeah. make you feel? And and did you feel intimidated? Or did you th did you like that he took charge? Um, intimidated? No, I, I actually was like. He asked me to pick up all the cash from his. That's gyms. what it was. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. And I more like called him. I was like, bro. I was like, you don't even know me. I was like, why are you asking me to pick up the cash? I was like, I'm I'm happy because he was out of town. He was like, yeah. I have to drop by the bank by this day. Do you think you could help me out? And I was like, sure, but like, I, that's a lot of money. Like, are you You don't even know me. And he was like, I know you won't steal. And I was like, interesting. And I picked up the money. I was like, that's a lot of money. I was like. If I were not a good person, I was like, I don't, how does yeah. he even know? So I mentioned to Alex, I kind of thought, you know, that was him being like, yeah, pick up my cash from the gym. Yeah. You know, pick yeah. up cash. <laughs> oh, a hundred grand here. This guy's really <laughs> yeah. killing it. You know, you take it to the bank. Do you yeah. think, you know, what, was it just he needed a, a hand with this? I mean, I think that he was trying to figure out if he wanted, he was like, cause you know, basically on the first date, he's like, we should work together. Like, I want to start this new business. You seem like you can sell and you understand business and you like all this. He's like, you should do it with me. And I was like, we just met. Like, I just feel like I, I was like, that's a lot. Like I'm, I'm doing these other things. I'm not sure. Um, and so I think he like kept slowly trying to just like get me to like start working and doing stuff with him. So I feel like it was a little bit of that and just like necessity. Mm. Like, I don't think like we both didn't have like a ton of friends at that point in time. So it was like, and we gone on three dates and might as well. Did you worry that maybe there's something illegal going on? Like he's having you go and pick up cash from different locations <laughs> yeah. and like bring it somewhere. No. Did that, that never cross your mind? No, they were gyms. I like went in, there's like people training people. Gym, like, yeah. yeah. Gym, That's the yeah. cover, right? Yeah, 100%, yeah. Interesting. The real Alex wow. was exposed on this episode right. of Ice Coffee. So no. that was like the second date ever, basically. He already hired you to, to go pick up some cash for him. And then how did this evolve into what it is today and now you guys are building these crazy huge businesses yeah i mean i think you know basically we started gym launch and after alex got rid of all his other businesses because he had like a bajillion um and that was very like it took a ton of attention from him and so i actually end up you know fast forward i end up six weeks into us knowing each other uh 
quitting the gym that I was at, uh, stopping anything with online personal training, and I just went all in on gym launch. Um, and then I think it took him probably close to like a year to shed everything that he was doing. Um, but he did because it was also like, you know, every time that he like was like, I don't know if I want to this. I was like, dude, I quit my job. And like, I gave away all my clients to do this because of this idea. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was, it was really cool once he finally got those things off his plate. And then we realized that we have really great complementary skill sets. And I think that evolved over time because in the beginning it was like, I, we both could kind of do the same thing. So we just split stuff up. And then as gym launch ended up taking off, which it was just a concept for 18 months, you know, when it was basically just like eating shit. And then 18 months in, you know, we changed the model and then it just took off. You know, we stopped flying people out to the gyms and instead we started, we turned it into basically uh, like an education business or a, a licensing model where we licensed the IP to them and then we coached them through the program. And that was when we said, okay, we're not gonna be able to do the same thing and split it anymore. We're gonna kind of split roles because we understand that's what a business needs in order to function. And so that's when basically, you know, we wrote everything on a whiteboard that happens with the business. And it was like marketing, sales, finance, HR, ops, you know, customer success, tech, all that. And then uh, one of our friends just circled marketing and was like, this is Alex. And then all the rest is Layla. And they were like, that's how you split it. And I was like, okay. And, and that was what kind of stemmed how we work together. And then like me going into learning the other parts of a business, because I understood marketing and sales fairly well at that point. Not as well as him because he had his six gyms, right? So he'd had to market and sell for those. But I understood it better than most people. Um, but I didn't understand literally anything else. And so that's when I just went into learning and like investing in you know, reading books and studying, like how do you run the rest of a business? How do you grow and scale a business? Um, and that became kind of my hat. And then his hat you know, continued and always went further into marketing. And it's just worked incredibly well. And like we actually really enjoy doing it together. And so we just haven't stopped. At what point did you guys start like dating though? Because it seems like yeah, yeah. in the beginning it was like a business venture. I mean, it's kind of weird, honestly, because like we were dating during the whole first year, but like more working together. Listen, this is the thing. Me and Alex, both our ambitions are always going to be what's most important to both of us. And so I think until we realized that we were both useful in terms of helping each other achieve our ambitions, it's kind of like our ambitions are always going to be first. But once you realize that that person is going to actually help you achieve your ambitions, putting that person first and partnering with them and putting the partnership first becomes more of a priority. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how yeah. long would you say it took for that to that to occur where you put each other before the ambition? Maybe two and a half years. Wow. Two and a half years. It's not like yeah, a normal yeah. relationship right. that I'm like totally oh, yeah. aware of, but it works. Yeah. So how did you then scale this business? And what, what was your role exactly? Yeah, uh, so we had the titles of co-CEOs. And so how we divided it was really Alex is top of funnel. So he's going to make it rain, right? That's always what Alex is going to do. Um, in gym launch specifically, Alex also was like the face of the product for the beginning. So until we brought in like coaches and had them basically redo all the product, he was the face of the product. So he was like in all the videos. So Alex was in all the videos. He was running the marketing and I did the rest of it. And so that's how we've always split it because he's definitely somebody who like he needs to focus on one thing. So it's like, I always, in any business that we start, I'm like, I'm going to try and get Alex like in a corner focusing on one thing. Cause that's what he likes doing. Like he likes writing his books. He likes promoting. He likes making content. Like he likes doing that stuff. I like the rest of it. I like the people stuff. I like building teams. I like hiring leaders. I like doing all of those things. And so that's how we've run all the businesses. In, in terms of gym launch, it was a little bit in the beginning of us overlapping mm-hmm. and then learning that we had to let go of things in order to be more effective just as a business. You know, it's like we had to define our own roles, have our own job descriptions. You know, basically like if you look at, if we weren't in a relationship, how would we run the business? That's just what we did because we're like, that's gonna make the business successful is if we're partners that we clearly define our roles and then we give each other autonomy to make decisions in those areas. Does that make sense? Yeah, how often do you guys get in disagreements? And if you are at a stalemate, who makes that decision? We actually were given a really great piece of advice early on, which was, If you don't agree, don't move forward. And so people ask us that all the time, especially if they're interested in working for us. They're like, how do you guys as co-founders and as married, a married couple, like make decisions? We're like, there's honestly not one like final decision maker. We just wait until we agree on something. Like we continue to work the idea or the problem until we both like it and then we move forward. And that means like 
I, I can think of the biggest time that we had a disagreement was with Alan launching the software company, um, which I think I've talked about this before, but basically like I just, when we had a minimum viable product, I looked at everything that had to happen in order to make it a scalable business. And I was like, I don't think it's worth it. I don't, I think we're gonna incur like millions of dollars. We'd already put like $4 million into this thing. And I was like, it's gonna cost way more. And I don't think that we're gonna see the return we want. And the market moves so fast in tech and tech is not our strong suit that I didn't believe it was like a great, you know, venture and he was like i think it is and because he, he's always more optimistic i'm usually mm -hmm. more pessimistic and so we like locked ourselves in a room for like three days and then finally i was like screw it like okay the the deal was that we would launch it and we would try and build it and scale it but if it didn't become profitable within four months we would shut it down and so like <laughs> it's kind of funny because mm -hmm. literally like at month two i was like dude it's not looking good you know <laughs> and he was yeah. like, he just like dove in and it became extremely profitable. Um, and so we ended up growing it to an extent and then selling it, but we sold it because again, it just wasn't our strong suit. Sure. So we always look back, we're like, who was right, who was wrong? It's like, neither <laughs> nor, yeah. right? But um, but it did make money, so it made yeah. a profit. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. It ended up doing that. It was okay. just very uh, painful is probably the right word sure. because we don't have, we're not like technical experts. You know, like I'm great at running a business and the operation side of things and he's great at marketing and there was no product person. Yeah. And so if we had started with a product person, I think it would have done like, I think it would have crushed. Um, but we just, we didn't do that. We didn't know. Yeah. Now, what about the decision to sell everything, scale back? How involved were you in that process? What were your thoughts on that? Super involved. Um, I actually, you know, I think that he probably wanted to like sell the house before me. Um, I think part of it was like wanting to feel like like I had for a long time, or at least for like a few years of our marriage, because it's only been like six years. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, I had this image of like, I wanna be like a, the perfect CEO, the perfect wife, the perfect, you know, employer, the perfect boss, like all these things. And part of being like the perfect wife and the perfect like, I don't know, just human that I was envisioning was like having this huge house that was like very impressive that people could walk into. And so I think finally what was like the tipping point for me was realizing how much of my attention was going to that house. And I think one of my friends, I was talking to her one day about it and she's like, do you know how much more valuable your attention is on the business? And I was like, I agree with you. And so I think at that point, then it just became a nuisance to me because I was like, I'm so sick of taking care of this. Like I'm not a traditional wife. And I think it was like, I resisted that for a long time because I'm around all these other wives who like, they don't run businesses. They don't, they're like, they run a business with their husband, but like they mm. don't run the business with their husband. They're actually like doing something else. And like, they have lots of free time to take care of the house, which is great. That's just not me. And I think for a long time, I didn't accept that about myself. Once I accepted it, I was like, screw this. I was like, I'm not cooking dinner anymore. I don't want this house. I don't want this car because I want to take care of this. Shit. And so now I realize there are other, other ways to do that. But I, in hindsight, I'm glad that we did it because it was like a fresh start. Mm. And it's also because like, you know, we knew that we were going to sell the businesses. And I was like, I want a fresh start. Like, I feel like I'm like gym launched Layla in this house and acquisition.com Layla doesn't live in this house. She doesn't do this. Shit. She doesn't cook this dinner like this. She doesn't do any of this. And so it's much easier to change your life if you change your environment. At least we both tend to think that. And so, mm -hmm. you know, moving, selling the house, getting rid of all the cars and everything, like just doing a fresh start, I think was like really good for turning the page to the next chapter. Yeah. And now you're living in uh, middle of Las Vegas Strip. What yeah. is that like? It was awful. In a hotel. Yeah. yeah. I didn't like it at all. But Alex had always wanted to try Las Vegas. And I was like, listen, I'm flexible. And like, I just always am one of those people. I'm like, I'm not going to not try something once. So we got like a lease and I was like, what is it? I can do anything for a year. Um, and so we moved there. At first I didn't like it because it was very loud and very like busy. Mm -hmm. um, and now it's odd. It's like, I actually really like it. Really? Yeah. What do you like the most about it? Everybody always comes to Las Vegas and everybody right. always stays on the strip. So the amount of like networking, the amount of people that we can see and things that we can do, and the amount of activities that there are that you can do on the strip, I actually really like that. And so mm. it's like, if people come in, you know, you, you know where to take them, you know what to do. There's lots that you can do. You don't have to like entertain people in your home. And I love being able to walk to everything versus, you know, we were kind of isolated in the suburbs before when we were in Austin, which I was not a big fan of. Mm. Yeah, was, I would find it so weird just to like take an escalator or, or take an elevator down and like there's thousands of people that are just a few stories mm -hmm. below you. It is a little weird, it seems but here's just the thing an at the odd same time. mindset. Yeah. Yeah. People think of the strip, they think of like, you know, the Mirage and the, like we live in the other side where it's a little nicer, a little more quiet. Yeah. So it's like our like very intermediate surrounding area is more of the nicer side of the strip. 
Hmm. which I don't want to yep. talk about what it is, but yeah. yeah that's yeah. fair. I want to talk a little bit more about business operations because you say mm-hmm. that's kind of what you do with, now it's acquisition.com, previously was Gym Launch. Yeah. What do you think you're uniquely good at within business operations and how did you get good at those things? You said hiring was mm-hmm. one of them. You think that you're- Yeah, I think I think it's a couple. I think probably good at picking people. Mm-hmm. I think I'm fairly, probably more competent than most people at hiring, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and then also managing people. Like, I really think that's it. I think it's just like, it's building the team, right? And I think that doing that and aligning it with the strategy of the business is something that I feel really good at doing. Like I can, I know where the business our projections are for like three to five years from now. And I'm like, oh, I know what the team's gonna look like. I, I can map it out on a piece of paper and do that. I would say it's probably like my bigger advantage. Um, I'd be interested in what my team would say, actually. I'm like, what would they say? What do you look for in a person? Like, is there a quality? Yeah. And how do you build out the team and the culture of the team? Yeah. It starts with you, which is like the weird, okay, what I hate is that there's like an art and a science to this, right? The culture is the art side. And I think that a lot of people, there is obviously science, there's like, you can do these things, but if the heart isn't there and the intention isn't there, that's not going to happen. And so I think a lot of times it's very misconstrued because people see like a Jeff Bezos or an Elon Musk and they're like, oh, the culture and all these things. I'm like, but he's, uh, he's honestly an outlier. Most people that have very big businesses are just people of like elite character because people want to, people that have elite talent want to work for people with elite character, right? So if you think about it, like I think about my job, I don't need to be the smartest person in the room, but I need to be of sound enough mind and competent enough that the smartest person in the room wants to work for me. And that I've created a big enough vision that their vision for however smart they are mm-hmm. can fit within mine. So I look at that as my job. I'm like, that's what I do. Um, and I think that when you think about building a culture, oftentimes it's just, it continues, the culture is like you start at the top and it just continues to dilute all the way down. And the culture is really just the mission and the vision and the values of the co-founder or of the founder or of the person that's, you know, whatever, head honcho of the business, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call them, mm-hmm. right? And so it just continues to drip down. And so the more potent you can be in terms of how you exemplify those values and that mission, the more that you can repeat it over and over again, the stronger a culture you're going to have because it's going to, the next level is going to be like a little diluted and then like a little more diluted and then like a little more. So the bigger the organization, that's why you see that people lose the mission and the values. It's unless you make it an immense effort. And it starts with the person at the top, unfortunately. It's like nobody's going to exemplify those values more than the person at the top. It's mm-hmm. like, you think about it, it's just, I've seen it so many times. It's just, it, nobody will work for you that has better values than you. They will go find somebody else who has better values. And within operations of a business, if you see that dichotomy of like culture and talent, would you be able to say one is more important than the other? It's a good question. I thought of I that think question. That culture, you did? I think oh, that yeah, I th- no. without culture, talent fails. Interesting. So it you think it becomes a very cold environment. So you think culture is probably more important mm-hmm. than talent? Yeah. I'm just wondering, it's like if, if you're building a business or if I'm trying to create a team, how can I radiate that, that positive culture that you're saying or like constantly be instilling the values of the company into the employees of the company? Is it like actual like board meetings? Like more specifically, what exactly is it? Yeah, like tactically. If you're looking at it, like it, it really is down to the tactics, which is like first you start with, you know, quarterly meetings. Like this mm-hmm. sounds so lame, but like that's really how you do. It's like you have an annual meeting, you've got quarterly meetings. In each of those, you're reiterating the mission, the vision, the values over and over again. And you're showing how all of the goals of the business tie into those values tie into that mission. And so those values and that mission are actually decision-making filters to decide, are these the priorities that we need to follow as a company? Do they align with the values and do they relate to the mission? If the mission is we want to help a thousand women lose weight and someone says, well, I want to start a men's weight loss program. It's like, but it's help women lose weight, not men. So that means that decision's out. And so a lot of people just think they're like these foo-foo things. I'm like, no, these are the principles that we use to make decisions for the company. And so they should always be prominent because that's what, so I'll give you an example, right? With acquisition.com, it's sincere candor, unimpeachable character, and then competitive greatness. And so every time we're picking a CEO portfolio company, we run them through that filter. We have a scorecard Mm. and it literally has those as the filter. It's like, do they fit those values? Would they be something that we're proud to associate with? Do they have sincere candor? Are they being transparent with us? And then do they want more of the money? Are they actually competitively great? And the same goes for hiring is that I have a little scorecard. It's like, do they fit the values? And that's always the first question. It's like, it doesn't matter how skilled they are. If they don't fit the values, they just can't work here. And so I think it's 
it's that. And then when I talk about those quarterly meetings, those get broken down into, you know, on a monthly basis, I think that most companies should be running what I call as like a vision meeting, which is again, reiterating the vision. It's just repetition of the vision to the entire company. And then talking about the vision, breaking it down to the actual mission and then the values, and then giving examples of decisions that were made that month that relate to that. It's like, hey guys, mm. we decided not to do this because of this value. And then calling people out, it's like, Sally actually did this this month, which relates to our value number two. You know, Harry didn't do this because he realized it didn't relate to our value or it didn't tie into our mission. Does that make sense? That makes yeah. sense. It's like, yeah. you're just always using those as like the guiding light and tying every decision back to them of why we do or do not do something in a company. That's really interesting. Mm. You have like your overarching goal or mission and every action that is taken within the business should always be serving yes. that main goal. Absolutely. I think we could do that a little bit better. We'll probably do that I, better, because right? you yeah. said like quarterly yeah. meetings within us. It's like we go out, we do dinners on occasion. Like I'm seeing Graham fairly often. I'm seeing Alex like fairly often. Yeah. But we never like allocate or reserve time specifically to just discuss the intricacies of the business. And what's I feel like going that's on. what we always talk about, though. It's what we talk about, but yeah. I feel like it's it's more conversational than it is. it is like an actual. Yo, we're doing a business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What is the mission? <laughs> well, that's Make a, that's a, a great, that's a great to, question. I'm one so, to you, Graham. so glad you asked <laughs> this question. Isn't it Jack? Yeah. That it's a great well, question, Alex. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. To be honest with you, I mean, the mission yeah. has always just been continue having fun and, and, and growing. I mean, I always yeah. put just enjoyment over anything. Okay. So just, uh, I, I, I mean, obviously it would be cool to hit a million subscribers, but I think, you have to enjoy it. And for me, it's it's really enjoyment first. And as long as I see growth month over month, as long as we're, you know, on an upward trajectory, we're continue, continuing to do well and, and just growing, I'm happy with it. Mm -hmm. I think it's growth for me. I would say like the overall mission of the Ice Coffee Hour, getting on as many platforms as possible, getting as many views, having on the best quality guests that we can, providing the most in, like amount of entertainment and educational value for the viewers, just growth. Yeah. Why is growth important? Because I think that happiness is derived from growth, yeah, and productivity. I think forward. I like I like watching the progress. To me, it's a bit like a challenge to see month over month, or even like you know six months over six months. Are we doing better? If not, why? And trying to figure that out. It's like a piece of a puzzle yeah. that you could you could figure out and grow. And but I think at the end of the day, for me, it's just like, do you have fun doing it? Is it something that I look forward to? And if it's I a yes, then I continue doing it. I think that's a value. Like okay. the fun piece is totally a value. Like sure. we have a company and their values pig in the mud fun, right? But they have like a huge vision. It's just like, hey, if we're not having fun, like we wanna make sure we have fun while we get there. Values are basically constraints of how you get to the vision. Mm. So it's like, we can get to a billion dollar company or make this, you know, somehow turn it into a billion dollar company as long as we're having fun. Cause that's a constraint we're putting on ourselves. Like, hey, we're gonna get there, but we have fun along the way. If we're not having fun, that's not aligned with the mission. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good question. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Seems to be deep in It'd thought. It'd be interesting Jack, if yeah. you actually like wrote it yeah. down and you were like, "This is our mission," and like because here's the thing: is That's at some point <laughs> you're going to hit a million subscribers. You're going to hit these numbers you're talking about, and then what? Then you just bump it up. Yeah, then, then it then turns into have fun. That's that's a yeah. goal or a KPI. A mission sure. is something above that. It's like why even set the goal or KPI? Sure. What's the greater vision beyond it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. It's usually very amorphous and that's totally fine, but it's just like, you can attract better people, better talent, and then like align with that. I feel like you guys already have everything that's there. It's just not written down mm -hmm. or structured, you know? Yeah. Great suggestion. Hone it in. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, honing yeah. it in. Yeah. It gives people so much clarity because so many opportunities come in to every business owner, they come their way. And people are always like, how do you say no to opportunities? I'm like, I just run it through the decision filter. It's like, does it align with the mission or the values? If it does, then maybe it makes sense for us to pursue. If it doesn't, then we say no to it. Even mm. if it's a great opportunity, it's not our opportunity. Yeah. I will say one thing that's kind of interesting is if we record a podcast and I think that podcast did like, or I think that it was extremely entertaining or extremely educational and it doesn't perform that well, it still makes me feel better than an episode where I feel like we didn't do that much, but it still gets a lot of views. Mm. Mm. I will say that. So maybe it is just providing as much value and, uh, as possible. I get that. Cause that I make be videos it. that like nobody watches, but I'm like, this so good. Yeah. It's very valuable. So, yeah. yeah, you were telling us, though, that you don't even watch YouTube. You don't watch TikTok. You stay off of all of that. I forget what we mentioned. Oh, it was a Instagram. mukbang. We were talking yeah, about we were doing talking a mukbang. And ASMR, so like, I, I don't know You're what like, that is. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. I don't watch YouTube. I'm like, mukbang, you know? Is there a reason why you stay away from like TikTok or YouTube? It's not uh, like a tool that's helping me get to my goals. Yeah. I guess, you like, run it through the decision filter. It's not. 
I honestly, you yeah. know, I, I don't have a, if I need to learn something, I will pick like what platform I, I could probably find something on. I will go learn it, but it's mm -hmm. not like, I don't like have fun on social media. Like for me, social media is like, I only think about putting out content that adds value to other people. And that's the only like purpose I see social media for. I don't see it for like my own entertainment, if that makes sense. Mm. That's interesting because I always, I always find it really interesting when people that are really successful at social media don't consume social media because I feel like you need to consume social media in order to see what is good. That's what I think, grow. yeah. I would it's grow like, way faster if yeah. I did. I, I study like yeah. all the time. I'm like always trying to network and talk to other like podcast producers and stuff like that. And even studying podcasts and like how they break down their conversation. Like I'm yeah. always looking at stuff like that. And I would imagine it's pretty hard to try to scale on social media if you aren't like allowing yourself or consuming any of it. Yeah, but that's not my goal. I mean, like I'm, I'm putting stuff out there because I think that it's, I want to represent the other side of our business. Mm -hmm. Like me and Alex talked about when we started acquisition.com, which is, it's basically like the two of us split the role of CEO. And so mm -hmm. people only see what he does and they assume, oh, that's all I need to be successful. And, and we talked about it. We're like, when we start acquisition.com, I was like, I want to put a presence out there, but it's not my number one priority right now because I'm growing and scaling our business. And so mm -hmm. like my team is my priority right now and that like growing sense. the team and growing the portfolio companies. And I would sacrifice social media any day to make sure that I put them as a priority. So it's just like, what's my priority? It would be his priority, right? Cause like Alex is more top of funnel than I am. So like it for, should for sure be his, he's on the platforms way more than me. He understands marketing to a different extent than I do. Um, I listen to what he says. I listen to our team. I listen to like Caleb and Quinn and everyone that we have. And I look to them. I'm like, what do you guys think? Like, what, what content do you think I should be making? That's what I ask them. Cause I'm like, I, I don't know what's valuable. Hmm. So what is your goal over the next 10 years? Like your mission? Yeah. I want to be the CEO of acquisition.com when it hits a billion. And how are you going to do that? How are you going to get to a billion? Um, it's fairly, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that we could do it. So, I mean, we could have, uh, I think it's a hundred companies doing, you know, 30 million a year. We could have, you know, 50 companies that are each doing, uh, 40 or 50 million a year. I mean, like there's a lot of different ways math wise it works mm -hmm. out. I think right now what we're doing is we're taking minority interest in smaller companies. And so it's like more of a volume game. But what I would like to eventually do is take majority stake in bigger companies. Because here's the thing I've realized is that scaling a smaller company and scaling a bigger company, it's the same work. And like, honestly, I can do both. And so I feel like but what I have to do is I have to build the team that can do both. Right now, I think our infrastructure supports uh, scaling the companies that are you know below 100 million. But I think we can get the level of talent to scale companies beyond 100 million and like take them to. You know, I would love to get a company to a billion. That'd be so sick. Yeah. What sort of companies do you go after? Um, we've actually just broadened it. So it was more service-based, educational, etc. And at the last quarterly, I was like, I feel like this is very limiting because we can take technology, we can take you know physical goods. It's just it's more about the business itself. A lot of technology businesses and physical goods businesses have really crappy margins and really bad economies of scale. And so oftentimes they end up going under because they just, one, they take on like VC money if you're tech. And then if you're a products business, you have like loans and lines of credit constantly going in and out. And so it's like, there's not much left over at the end of the day. And so to reinvest in like building, you know, a talent pool and stuff without taking on more debt, which is not something I'm comfortable with asking people to do, it's really hard. And our method of growing a company is basically we want to take it to its organic max before we take it to it's basically like leveraged maximum. Mm -hmm. So every company has like an organic max where it's like if you've seen an S curve in a company, right? It's like the product is like doing great. It's going up. And then all of a sudden, like it starts to go down, decline. People start eating away at your market share. Competitors come in. You start to see that your, your clients are leaving for other people. And then the goal is to then basically build a new S curve and overlap the two. And if you can overlap the two, then you can go from say, usually the first S curve for a lot of businesses that I'd be talking to, it'd be like 50 million. And then they get to 50 million, around 45, they start to see a decline. And they can hit 50 with like, you know, a ton of grit. And then at that point, it's like, you need something new to scale to 100 million and beyond. And so um, the goal is really to just take them to the organic max. What it, what it is is that a lot of companies, they don't go to their organic max. They get to like two, three million. And then they're like, we're gonna get all this VC money and we're just gonna throw money at everything. And the thing is, if you've seen the inside of some of those companies, it takes, someone very disciplined to not solve problems with just money. And if you solve problems with just money, the company is basically built on stilts. And how do you help all these businesses scale? Where do you find all the time to do that? Time? Yeah. Well, we have a team. Okay. So yeah, we have a team. It's not like it's just me and Alex. It's, sure. not, it's not at all. How big is um, your team? Uh, 12. Hmm. It's mostly comprised of consultants. So people who specialize in like strategy and certain areas of business, they can help scale those areas. Does that make sense? It's mm -hmm. so like you look at like McKinsey or Bain or like some of those firms, that's what we're going for, but like a new kind of 
consulting PE. Sure. And walk us through an average day now, like what your schedule looks like, how many hours you work. Yeah. Um, usually I wake up at like five, I want to say. Um, and then I really like to just get to work for like, I don't know, three hours maybe. And then at like eight or nine, I go to the gym. Uh, and usually I'm like walking, doing emails, and then I go lift. Um, then I come back and I shower and then I take calls from usually like, uh, I don't like to do them any earlier than 10 if I don't have to, because I'd like to get my work done in the morning. Um, but like 10 to uh, maybe like 5.30. And then I go on a walk. And then usually we have some sort of like dinner or event or something in the afternoon. Um, and then we do that. And then we come home and Alex and I like debrief with each other. And then that's it. I have a question. Um, what, so we had Alex on. He said he would consider himself a nihilist. Would you consider yourself a nihilist? I don't like identify with that term. I think that I have beliefs that would be aligned with that, but I don't like think about myself or identify. I don't label myself with any label. So that's probably actually why, but do we share the same beliefs mostly? But I think he's, Alex is more philosophical than I am. Like I actually try to get out of my head cause I can overthink and go into that really deep. And I don't like to as much. I just like, I don't think most things matter yeah. and you can just assign whatever meaning you want to. Like you get to choose whatever meaning that you have and assign it to whatever occurs. I do believe that. Um, I don't think anything has like inherent meaning. Um, but I don't think about that all the time because if you stay stuck in there, it's just like a very, like, I don't want to be a, you know, I tell Alex, I'm like, I don't want to be a philosopher. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like that's not, that's not my <laughs> vibe. Yeah. Mm. I want to be a, a business person. So, um, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do think that serves me. Yeah, now I overheard earlier when you walked in, you saw Bailey, the puppy. You got a puppy too. Could you yeah. tell us the story? You said you just brought brought a puppy home. Yeah. Alex so, wasn't a big fan or something. No, he, mm. he loves dogs and that's why he doesn't want one. Um, so there was like a period of time right before we got married that Alex and I, he basically was like, I need to tie up some loose ends or something. He like wanted to talk to like an ex because he had been engaged before we met. Mm. And I was like, talk to an ex. I was like, okay. And so he's like, I, you know, I'm going to meet her uh, at some place, whatever. And, and I'm going to like, you know, close things off because they just left it. Like maybe we'll get back together because they'd been on and off for so long. And I was like, pretty sure we're just breaking up. And so when he was gone, I was like, okay. And I just like went to get my own apartment and I got a dog and he came back. And he was like, I closed things off. I want to get married. And I was like, wait, what? And I was so confused. I was like, wait, dude, come on. How Who long like was he says, gone for? Two days. Two days? Where did he wait, go? Oh, he flew and then came back the next day. Oh, my god! But he was previously engaged to this woman. Mm -hmm. What was there to close off? Did you guys have a discussion? Like, why? Like, why? Back. why I mean, that was what he... I was saying the whole time, right? I was <laughs> yeah, like, gonna... okay, what, you're going to close something off? You know, like, I'm just like <laughs> It seems like a weird thing to just not to say, like, uh, you know, shoot a text or Legal something like that. or like a. Well, you know, I think... I don't know much about the situation because I don't, I don't like tend to ask about people's past. I think that, you know, it was his situation. He wanted to handle his way. Um, and I think he handled it very maturely, which was that person felt like there wasn't closure. And so he was like, I feel that she deserves to hear from me in person. And I'm going to tell her why she needs to move on. And she is with somebody else who I think wanted to get married with her. And she was like, do I do that? Or we ever, do we ever have a future? And I don't know. I don't, and he could probably yeah. tell it better than me. My memory's not like a hundred percent on it. Cause like, I was just more like, well, obviously we're broken So within up. these two yeah. days, you got your own apartment and a dog. I didn't get the own apartment. I like went and viewed them and oh. then I got a dog. Cause I was like, I wanted a dog. I was like, well, so no, you I'm thought, gonna, I was like, yeah. if I'm going to be single, I'm was just going to get a dog. Huh? You thought it was over? Yeah. But he told you he was just going to come back, right? Just, okay. But how many people, when they're like, oh, I have to go close things off with my ex. You're like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I just was but thinking myself. But that seems pretty insane. Yeah. Like, you accepted the fact that it was over. You got a dog and then he comes back and you're like, all right, let's go. You know? Well, I kind of realized that I just like let my own mind get the best of me. Oh. I mean, how many. That makes sense. Like, think about like every relationship I'd had prior to that, if somebody had said something like that, like I, I did have people who were unfaithful and like did things like that. So I was like, mm. oh, I've seen this before. Okay. But it, this on. wasn't the case. You just noticed that as soon as he came back, you're like, well, I already got the dog. So. Yeah. And I think that was like a huge moment where I gained a lot of trust with him because mm -hmm. I was like, he's, a, I mean, Alex is like, He's never cheated on anyone. He's always been very faithful. He's always been very forthright about that, that he would never do that to somebody. And I always was like, wow, he's very aggressive about this fact about himself when we met. And that kind of showcased it to me because I was like, he came back and he was just like, he seemed like much more clear of head. And he's mm -hmm. like, I feel like really good about this now. And like, I can 
completely focused on this. Cause when we met, he was like, I wasn't really looking for a relationship. I was just looking for a distraction yeah. from this relationship that I was like exiting. Yeah. Does that make sense? How has being married changed your relationship or has it? No. Okay. Has not. Why? I'm curious. curious I'm engaged. I'm, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm engaged now. So I'm curious if you've seen a, a shift or something. I think if anything, yeah. it just allows you a level of intimacy that's beyond what you had before, because there's this, whether it's false or not, a bigger sense of certainty and security with the person because you're mm -hmm. like, we're married. Like it's almost like a, like <laughs> it used to just be like, okay, together. And then you could break up. Now it's like together. And it's like, if you even had the thought of breaking up, you're like, wait, but we're married. It's almost like a stopgap. I, I want to say, and yeah. so you like, you would have to take things more seriously and like consider things and try much harder in order to end the relationship. And I do think that most people actually don't try very hard to save relationships. So I do think there's, valid, yeah, there's validity okay. to it. Okay. Uh, what other marriage advice do you have? I don't or know anything I have that's, advice. <laughs> is everything that's, okay? Greg? Yeah, everything's on. I'm just curious. Well? I'm just curious. Everything's like, going great, Jack. Okay, yeah. Cool, yeah. Except let me, let, me, let me tell you about this thing. Let me just complain for just a second. <laughs> um, the way I see marriage yeah. is like this. If you study, I think that marriage is a team sport. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at the best teams of all time, how do they structure? Like, what are they built off of? And I think it's the same things, which is, it's like you have a shared mission, shared values, and then shared lifestyle or interests, basically. So it's like shared mission is that you're both going towards the same thing in life. There's something that you've decided that you can have your own ways of getting there and you have your own paths, but you both wanna end up at the same place. Right, and so you have this goal, this vision that you can both kind of like ideate over together. Below that is like we have shared values, which is we agree that we abide by these values to get to that vision, right? So like while we're on our paths there, these are the ways that we're gonna behave in order to achieve the mission, which is like, say we wanna get rich. We're like, oh, we wanna have a billion dollars, but it's like, hey, we're also gonna be ethical, right? So it's like, yeah. we're not gonna sell cocaine to get a billion dollars, cause mm. like we consider that not to be ethical, right? And then the last piece to it is shared lifestyle or interests, which is a lot of people only have their love for each other in common. They have nothing else in common besides the fact of their attraction or their love for one another. And so they don't have activities or things that they can share and kind of collaborate over outside of that. It's like the only thing in the relationship is actually the relationship itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. But it's like, what if you looked at them as like, would I be best friends with this person, right? Like, do I have interests and hobbies and things that I can do with them outside of just like, oh my God, I love you so much. And like, you're amazing and let's have sex. Like, mm. I yeah. wonder how many viewers you make question in their relationship right now, because I've never looked at it that way. Like the mission above all else and then values and then interest. But that makes perfect sense. It yeah. Makes very good sense, actually. I always thought that it was values at the top and then, you know, like shared interests. Yeah, and I always, always think it's commonalities mm -hmm. at the top. Yeah, but I feel like mission mm -hmm. that, that makes sense. Well, you know? it depends on what kind of life you want to live too. Like, yeah, this is just the worst for me, I suppose. Right. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it work for a lot of people have long-lasting relationships. So I would like to stay. I mean, like me and Alex have the same thing, which is like we could just be married to each other for forever. We'd be super excited about that. Which a lot of people don't have that. They're like, hey, I want to be married to multiple people, and like this might only last ten years. And like I'm super cool with all that. I would just prefer to be married for a very long time. Just like seems much easier. Both of us the vision that we each have for ourselves is of someone who can be married for 50 or 60 years. Mm -hmm.